Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova. I'm Kikita Kaori. And this week we're going to be looking at the epilogue of the Battle of Cherry Blossom Snow, which, <laughs> well, it may be the last Elf of our fiction we get for a while, but um, I guess we'll see. Well, actually, well, that might not be quite true because we have some news. We do have a little news. On Amazon and the Simon & Schuster website, we got the news that there was going to be a book called The Great Clans of Rokugan, Volume 1, which is a collection of four novellas. It, it contains the Phoenix, Scorpion, and Unicorn novellas that have already been published separately. And then it contains a new novella called Ice and Snow by Katrina Ostrander. And the description of this novella is a surprise attack and courtly machinations challenge the untested heir to the Crane clan to keep the peace and prove her value to her family. Now, based on that description, we believe that this is going to be about the Battle of Ice and Snow, which happened before the events of the anything in the current timeline. Um, we kind of mm. talked about this before when a Mantis captain basically captures a Craig Castle with Kachiko in it, and Hataru yeah. rescues Kachiko. So, yeah, and she was apparently Kachiko's Yojimbo, which is interesting because uh, you know heir to the Crane Clan. This is like like the the heir to the Rockefellers being some random bloke's chauffeur or something. It's really weird. It's like an old situation. So it'd be interesting to find out exactly how that came about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're guessing Musha Shugyo, but who knows? So that could that could give us some background, which we've been looking forward to. I mean, I, I quite like, because this is apparently where their relationship starts. So we may get some uh, background. We'll find out. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting that it, we've got three novellas that we've had already and a new one. But there's uh, – he tries to count very hard – two others that have been published mm. that aren't in this collection. Yeah. A, a volume one implies a volume two. Well, yeah. It's, it's just – I kind of would have ex- expected the first one to be all the ones they've already done and they're new ones. But no, no, they're interspersing the new ones and the ones that are – that's – Cool. Uh, you are not thinking mercenary enough. This is going to force everybody who <laughs> already bought all of the ones that <laughs> currently exist to have to go buy these two new ones as well. And uh, mm. many, many crane players are bemoaning the uh, decorative aspects of their bookshelves because of this decision, because this implies. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. They- no crane uh, novella by itself that could look good with the other ones. I'm also oh, well. curious as to whether or not the law stuff that was in each of the physical novellas, and I'm still quite grumpy that they haven't shown up in the ebooks mm-hmm. because you know I don't, I don't you know, with, when it came with the physical ones came with cards which I don't care about and eight page law segments, and I'm like. I, you know, I don't really want the cards. Maybe I should have made some deal. Found found a card player. It's a bit late now, <laughs> obviously, but uh, made a deal with you. Like, you know, you'll get the cards. I get the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so that's a cool thing. So I, I suspect that this means that the crane and lion players, because I expect the lion novella will come in volume two. That just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I suspect this means that the crane and lion players do not get any any new or interesting lore Ooh, uh, section. That, that's so, grr, grr. Everyone gets but we'll see. It's, that's the law. Well, the, the law of law. It's the rules. <laughs> yeah, I rather suspect you are correct, but I hope that it is somehow not going to happen that way. Yeah. Moving on from <laughs> news about uh, the collection. We're going to move on to the epilogue of Battle of Cherry Blossom Snow, which until that comes out is might be the last fiction for L5R for a little bit, depending on what the next thing to come from, FFG or Edge or whoever. 
It's all very confusing. <laughs> I've no idea who's in charge of what. This might be the last uh, for a while. So, uh, yeah, this is the final chapter. It is by Robert Denton III with Mary Brennan and Katrina Ostrander. As the armies of the Crab Phoenix, Crane, Unicorn, and the Minor Clans celebrate the victory at Cherry Blossom Snow Lake, Katsuo is offered a place amongst the crab, or the lion, or the mantis, being raised as a samurai. Uh, he is going to choose his own way. Shiba Tsukune prepares to travel south with Hida Oushi to look for Isawa Tadaka south of the wall. Meanwhile, very far away, Togashi Mitsu becomes overwhelmed by the visions inherent to being the champion of the Dragon Clan, while Togashi Gaijutsu, the true Togashi, feels pity for the pain and sees the battle to come. Doji Shizue writes to Kakita Asami, telling all the news from the city of Otosan Uchi in the wake of Heroes of Legend, and the woman Senzai remembers days long past, days when she knew Togashi, Shinjo, Doji, Hante, Shiba Akodo, and knows it is time for Shinsei to return. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is it. That it wraps up quite a lot of things. But there's lore nuggets. There's always lore nuggets, and we have to bring them to you. There is. Uh, it's, our, it's, it's our job. Uh, let's see. Yep. We start the scene out with uh, Hira Sukune. He is drinking ginger tea. And ginger is used for many ailments. And it's kind of a little hint calling back to his medical conditions that he yeah. that he has. So that that's kind of just just a little this mm-hmm. is medicinal tea here. <laughs> yeah. Apparently the Otter Clan have brought their sake along in casks. They are a river clan, so they, they do a lot of transporting of things backwards and forwards over the river. So that's presumably a nod to that. Mm-hmm. The uh, sparrow samurai is described telling a story. Well, that's traditional for sparrow. The sparrow are known to be great storytellers. It's their clan thing. That and being poor and eating yams. So, it, yeah, ho- hopefully not the uh, slightly aggravating stereotype of them being boring, which I you got a lot in the old law. Uh, <laughs> I always liked the storytelling tradition. I thought that's really neat. Mm-hmm. We see Matsutsuko drinking sorghum wine, uh, which is, it's also called baiju. It's primarily drunk in China, Taiwan, and Korea. Uh, about 35 to 95% alcohol. Good Lord, that's a bit of a range. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you going to get? Well, sip it and find out. <laughs> and it's made from fermented sorghum grain. It's apparently somewhat similar to whiskey in flavor, profile, and effect. I have no idea what that means because I don't drink alcohol myself. So you, if, <laughs> I assume you, everyone, I assume other people know what that means. Uh, sorghum is not traditionally grown in Japan, right? But rokugan is large and wide and contain multitudes. I wanted to mention this because when she's stri- they say she's drinking sorghum wine for mm. people, you know, might think it's like wine. No, this is she's sipping whiskey. Yeah, essentially, that's that's what sorghum wine is. Give me your finest sipping baiju. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, Suko doesn't know how the battle in Odesan Uchi ended when she is here. She's hearing this from Yajiro and is quite interested in how it went down in the throne room. Yajiro does. So that implies that she disappeared from the battlefield. She's the commander of the Lion Forces. She would have the full report as soon as anybody else there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So she must have disappeared from the battlefield before any reports were given about how things ended in the throne room. Yeah. But it was there kind of at the end of the battle. So she was there during the battle, at the end of the battle, but before anything spread from from the courtroom. Whereas Yojiro has the updates from what happened in the courtroom. So he was there longer. So it sounds like... Suko left with Arasu in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when because he, he had been summoned onto the battlefield in Heroes of Legend. And it seemed like he like took her w- with him. Though she does, I thought, mention a gateway was opened by the Sapoon. Yeah, we may have to check that. In the story. So if she wasn't taken directly from the battlefield by Arasu... 
the Sapumas are like, okay, as soon as the battle's stopped, we got to send somebody out to Cherry Blossom Lake to find out what's going on. It's kind of weird. There are some unanswered questions because mm-hmm. you've got things like, um, what was Yujiro doing grabbing Ajite, which happened to um, transport him large distances, which is kind of interesting. So what was he doing there? And under what circumstances did Tsuko, someone says, right, off you go. You're you're heading to Cherry Blossom Snow Lake, but that's really far away. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so off you go. Yeah, what, what what exactly is going on there? And why we're just sending you instead of a lion army? I mean, if we could send a whole group. Yeah, we could take. Maybe we could send lots of people, but we're not going to. Just just you. <laughs> just you. <laughs> okay, I I guess. Never mind. <laughs> Hida Sukune puts together some kanji to make Katsuo's official samurai name. And so he's getting basically a certificate of authenticity for Katsuo. So his name in kanji along with his deeds, which would presumably be used for other Ashigaru who would be raised to samurai status. This is the thing you actually see in Seven Samurai, if you ever watched that movie, where uh, Toshiro Mufune is actually playing a peasant who has grabbed someone's genealogical scroll to take around and go, look, I'm really a samurai, when in fact he isn't. So this is Katsuo getting one for reals. Yeah, so it's not – being elevated to samurai doesn't necessarily mean being given the wakazashi. Mm. You know, it, 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 can ha- it can be this, this certificate. I, I suspect there's a certain amount of, of belt and braces, you know. right. You get the wakazashi, and just in case anyone asks, mm-hmm. here it is on paper. You know, just just in case you don't you don't want confusion. Yep, in Fortune and Strife, my character's assistant is a younger daughter of uh, Ashigaru who is elevated. So all she has is the paper. She doesn't have the daisho yet because you know yeah. there's only so many daishos to go around for the family. So all she's got is this this paper. So anyway. Hideyakumo says that Katsuo certainly has fulfilled the 20 goblin winter. This is in times of duress, when the ball is getting bad, the crab would offer a 20 goblin winter. And during a 20 goblin winter, anyone who could bring back 20 goblin heads in a single winter could be permitted to become a samurai of the crab clan. So... He's he's offering that, and then Matsusuko offers to find a swords master who would teach somebody his age so he could become a Matsu, and Yoritomo offers to take him to travel the world as a mantis. Uh, and Shiba Sukuna says Ronin choose their own paths. And one thing that I thought was very interesting was that Matsusuko quotes from Akoto's leadership that samurai choose their own lords. Mm-hmm. And this is a interesting concept because there's a lot of stories about samurai being very loyal to their lord, even if their lord is a jerk to them and that sort of thing. But there is this element of choice in it still, at least from this, this quote. It's not like you're – the samurai still is choosing to serve. It might be – dishonorable for him to leave, especially if he forswears a vow he made to his lord. But you choose whether or not you make that vow, you, you know, at your gampuku. Nobody's, like, compelling you to make that vow. And sometimes that might be what a mushushugo is if, if you can't, for some reason, make that vow to your lord. I think the indication is once you've chosen, that's it, you stick with it. I think that's certainly the implication that you get from a lot of the fiction. And I also suspect in a lot, a lot of people, there is for, for, there is a, an assumption, you're in this family, you, your dad served this guy, so you're going to serve that guy. Mm-hmm. And that's that. That is that's going to be a base assumption, but you can still choose. Right. I think that, that once you have chosen, unless there are ex- yeah, extreme circumstances, that's you. Right. So Katsuo has got a choice in front of him. Yeah, when Shibasukuna suggests he become a ronin, uh, they do say, okay, you can pick it up when you come back, and he's going to go on a mushashugo until he decides. Yeah, I think that's, that's neat. That's going to be good for him. After the battle, Hida Yakumo and Kaio Fusao, who we last met in Collapse, they meet and kiss. 
Yakima has apparently been rumoured to be gay before. Then this is the first time a relation like this has been shown in The Crab. Mm -hmm. This has caused a bit of controversy, but quite frankly, the only controversy I can see is that there's anyone out there who likes Yakima enough to kiss him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's been any controversy about it this time around. It, it used to be, but that was the bad old days. Yeah, I, I have to say that this set of fictions, the whole battle for Cherry Blossom Snow, has absolutely changed my mind about Yakimo because I really mm -hmm. I thought he was just the and just the worst. He really, <laughs> really just he's just the worst. But this set of fictions has actually kind of mellowed me on him a bit. So there you go. There, yeah. So it is notable to say on this scene that no one present is at all bothered or surprised or anything. They're just like, that's cute. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, basically, Oishi is like... Do you know? <laughs> did you know about this? To, you know, <laughs> when did Yakimo find someone who liked him enough to kiss him? <laughs> Oishi invites Shibasukune to the Sumai event in Jukami that she was going to take. And this is probably the one that she was going to go with her friend Shizuko in collapse when they were talking about it. Jukamimura is a crane village, actually, uh, in Old 5R. It's a trading hub between the crane and the crab. Here, it's not clear if it is a, a crane village or crab here, but back in collapse, Oushi was thinking about Asahina Sake, so it probably still is a crane village here. Yeah, and if it's, tra if it's a trade hub, it'll be on the border, so... It yeah, it's on the border. Easy to get to, yeah. We haven't confirmed that Hida Kasada is still alive, despite having been uh, stabbed with a spear, and has yet to pass down the ancestral sword Chikara. The Crab Clan ancestral sword is normally carried by the designated heir to the champion, not the champion themselves. It is made of uncorruptible jade and steel by Caillou himself. Yeah. The, big, the great bear is still alive and kicking. He is. So after this scene of celebration that a little bit reminds me like of the end of Return of the Jedi, Shibasukune wants to find Tadaka. Asako Mizawa doesn't want her to go. Mizawa is an inquisitor and has lost many people to the Shadowlands that he's ended up having to hunt himself. So he has every reason to resist here. Now, I couldn't tell... I don't think Oushi is going when I reread this, but uh, right. is going to arrange a, sh a party for Sukune to go. And the assumption is hopefully that they will find uh, Asakosuke somewhere out there. Uh, Asakosuke is the Master of Water's niece. And then with her talking about going south like this, potentially to find Asakosuke possibly to find Asawa Tadaka, though we think he's pretty dead. Yeah. There is once more the sound of thunder, you know, rolling in the background. And this has been used in all the stories uh, for, you know, associated with Doji Hitaru, um, associated with um, Bayushi Kachiko. And here it's used for Shiba Sukune. So I think that this will be a change. This is a change from um, old 5R, I think, that Shiba Sukune is the Phoenix Clan Thunder. We also get to see what's going on later on in, in Dragonlands. It's later that month, somewhere in Dragonlands is what it says. And Togashi Mitsu is undergoing something extremely painful, and it, which turns out to be him becoming the Dragon Clan champion. And actually seeing the sorts of visions that happens to the Dragon Clan champion, which is incredibly powerful and painful. And this is something that the Nemeronai armor that the clan champion always wears is meant to protect him against. So he's somewhere in Dragonlands, and it's late that month, probably in the perfect land sect village. But it's been a while since we last checked in with Togashi Mitsu. Mm-hmm. So who knows where he's gotten to in that time. The vision had seven new trees sprung from the roots of the past, which is probably the Seven Thunders. Stars swinging full circle, which is either 
whether whether it's a question that there's this is the cycle of a thousand years, whether there is an ongoing cycle of a thousand years, or we're circling around this once, I guess is going to be to be seen. An unhealed wound. That sounds like that could be division between the kami, the incomplete duel between Togashi and Fuleng. It could be the general problems that uh, the Empire has had very, since the beginning with Fuleng and what happened to him and all that. Mm-hmm. And finally, a shadow behind a shadow, which could well be Fuleng behind Akumano Oni. Mm-hmm. So but it, it bodes, bodes not well for the future. Yeah. So we find a big revelation here. We learn that Togashi Gaijutsu, who was the blind tattoo master of the Order of Togashi, was actually as well the Kami Togashi from the beginning of the Empire. And the visions that Togashi Mitsu have are kind of shared between him and Mito, or whoever is the champion, and uh, Togashi Gaijutsu, or like the, the Kami Togashi. So... Yeah. Tugashi knows when the champion is having the vision. He says at the end of his little scene where he's reflecting on this life that he says, brother, a thousand years ago, our duel began. We've talked about this before, but after the Kami came to Earth, they had a tournament to select who will be the emperor of this new land, and Hante won. And then Fu Lang who was not at that tournament because he had fallen into Jigoku, fought his way back from hell with all kinds of taint and other emotional issues, <laughs> and came to Odasanuchi to challenge Hante for rulership of this land. Now, Togashi had held himself back in the previous tournament and hadn't joined in the fight. That he was free, basically, so when Fu Lang showed up and wanted to challenge Hante... He instead could challenge Togashi for the first round of that fight. And Togashi, in that first round, selected as his weapon the people of the Empire. And Fuleng stormed off. <laughs> yeah, some readings were all that lives within Rokugan. All that lives within Rokugan, yes. Fuleng stormed off to prepare his, his battles and ended up attacking Rokugan. But we learned that original day of thunder when the mortals faced Fulang and they put him in the scrolls. But that was the stalling action. That was just to get the Empire big enough and ready enough to do it. The actual duel is yet to come. The big fight. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting revelation. And, and it's, it's an interesting take on the notion. Because I think the idea that this is all a duel between Togashi and Fulang, that wasn't really part of the original Law. No, it wasn't. The the story went in AEG times. Kind of got retconned after the fact, mm-hmm. but it looks like that's the core of it mm-hmm. for this go round. Mm-hmm. It's a, a really a really good take on it. I just want to see how it how it comes about. <laughs> <laughs> so more fiction, more fiction, please. Now the the penultimate section is Doji Shizue writing to Kakita Asami. Uh, while petting Fumio, because of course, in Otosanuchi in the 12th of Ryoshun, which is early March, so spring, and the new year incidentally is April the 1st, or the equivalent in, in Rokugan. So this is, um, I'm trying to do maths in my head, a couple of months later? This is about almost two months later, short a couple of days. I can barely keep track of Earth months, <laughs> let alone Rokugan months. Could you refresh my memory as to who Kikita Asami is? Because I seem to have forgotten. Kikita Asami showed up in the original box set. She was in the very first fiction for the card game. She is the daughter of basically Kikita Yoshi's Karo and a, a diplomat. Uh, she had been sent to the Lion to negotiate over Toshi Rambo, and they kidnapped her and made her a hostage. And then she kind of finagled her way out of that and got sent to Foxlands with Doji Nozukabu and Kikita Kaisen. So that's her. And the other thing that's important here is that she was very much in love with Doji Kuanan and wanted to marry. Right. 
Yeah. So. Um, Slight problem there. Mm-hmm. So Kakita Asami, according to this letter, has moved from the castle of the fox to somewhere else, but apparently we don't get to find out where. Probably is going to Kuten Doji from the description, though. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we so this is this is essentially the epilogue specifically of Heroes of Legend. So this is what's been what has been going on in, up in the north. Well, in Otsunuchi. So Kikita Yoshi is regent again. Mm-hmm. So he finally he finally Dead Man's Boots gets to be um, regent. They talk about the New Year celebrations. Uh, so some traditions that are mentioned regarding the New Year celebrations that are coming is that, that is the time when all the tatami mats are replaced in all the buildings. So they're replacing them with new. Yeah. And tatami mats are made of woven grass, basically. So it's something that's good to replace once a year anyway. Yep. Uh, there's also a tradition of... They just refer to it here as sweeping away the evil spirits. There's a tradition of spirit chasing for New Year's where you have priests with brooms running around all the houses chasing away the evil spirits. And it's a it's a big ceremony. So that is what they're referring to there. It's literal. <laughs> yeah, I can see them being particularly observant this year, especially in Otsanuchi, where there were shenanigans and Shoju's public declaration of allegiance with the Shadowlands. People are going to be going, I, we need to sweep really hard this year, just yeah. in case. I'd be sweeping a lot. Um, we also hear of Ikomo Tsunari. She was one of the commanders in Matsutsuko's force. She has gone to Sacred Watch Palace, which is Kyuden Ikoma. Her parents, Anakazu and Akari, have been undivorced as per Tsuko's decree. For those of you uh, keeping track, basically, way back in the early fictions, Ikoma Anakazu was forcibly divorced from his wife, Akari, who was from the Phoenix clan, so that Anakazu could marry Shinjo Altan Sinai as part of a big diplomatic deal, which turned out to be a cunning ploy by Ujiaki to cause the unicorn to get upset because of the whole, you know, you've got to marry into the Akoma and just all the shenanigans, which meant that poor Tsunari suddenly didn't really, didn't have a father. And that's now all been undone. That's, so they've been put back together as a family unit and hopefully mm-hmm. they're going to be happy ever after. The Kitsudaimyo is mentioned, but not named, which I'm sure <laughs> was going to be causing a bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth to those who <laughs> are keeping track of all that. And Shinjo Shono has returned from the Burning Sands. We knew that he was going down to Battle of Cherry Blossom Snow when Chagadai said, Shono or the sends his, his regards. regards. Yeah, so he, he's, he's back. He's back. Altrin yeah. Sanai and Idai Dairu, who is her lover, they're going back to Unicorn Lands uh, and leaving their children at the capital with Ide Tadashi to make a treaty with the lion. Though Ayuchi Shahai and Daisetsu are still missing. So uh, yeah. Yoshi is offering reward for their return. And Miramoto Hitomi is leading the search. I, I actually have to say, when you got Altan Sanai's viewpoint in Heroes of Legend, and there was an awful lot of, I do hope my children are okay, I do hope my children are okay. And I was absolutely certain that either she or her one of her kids, like this is like, oh, this is foreshadowing. This is foreshadowing. And it wasn't, which is good because the kids are lovely and they shouldn't get horribly murdered. So that's good. Yeah, as, as stated, there is a reward out for the missing Hunter heirs, which is actually kind of interesting because that means that it is officially stated and known that the heirs are missing, together with Togashimitsu and... Yuchi Shahai. So everybody knows that that's what's happening. So that there could be some interesting political and sociological fallout from that. They probably blame um, Shoju. Shoju, yeah. But like, think think of it from the point of view of one of the commoners, right? One of the residents, the ordinary townsfolk living in Otsanuchi. There is no emperor, and the imperial princes are missing. That's that's worrying, you know. That that's gonna that's gonna feel like 
there is you, you, there's a lack of certainty. You're going to feel very insecure, and that that there could be you know an ongoing plot if that's what they plan to do with it. Among the missing, incidentally, we still have Isawa Kaede and Akoda Taturi. So we still don't know what's going on with them. Uh, Asako Maizawa is representing the Phoenix in court while Isawa Kaede is not there. Yep, and it looks like Kaede was the court's official spiritual advisor. So her being missing actually leaves a, a role unfilled, which is interesting. We haven't talked too much about the structure of the imperial court too much because it hasn't been settled. No. But no. It, this sounds like there is an official category for a spiritual advisor in the court. Yeah. Uh, which is... Absolutely. I don't think we've seen too much of that affirmed, but I, I like it. I use that in our influence game, so... Oh, sure. On on Mjorgi, probably. I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of interesting that it's, we've, we've got this far, and apparently we didn't know this about her, <laughs> that, that she was the official spiritual advisor. So... Um, <laughs> now you're telling us? That was kind of interesting. And speaking of people and, and things that have been mentioned for a long, long time, Empress Hochiahime gets a name check. I, like, I genuinely was not sure she was alive. I, I, I was actually of the opinion, if you'd asked me before this fiction, I would have said, oh, didn't she die before all the fiction <laughs> began? No, no, she's been alive this whole time. Not well, <laughs> poor, poor lady. But uh, apparently with the help of the Moshi, the centipede clan, she is feeling much better. She's had a breakthrough with her health, it seems. <laughs> so again, that could be an interesting political situation if she suddenly becomes a strong empress mm -hmm. and starts wielding power instead of presumably being on her sickbed and not doing a whole heap. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of interesting stuff. And I, I just like the fact that she has been mentioned and we now know. <laughs> like, I don't think I've even, I may not have even heard her name before. Uh, we we had her name and we had, we had that she was alive, but it was way back in the Kikumatsuri fiction. So it was a long time ago and we haven't wow. really had anything at all since. And that was a one-off line that I remember because I know, such things. Then the final section of this story is my favorite section, which has Senzai. Senzai first appeared in The Eternal Knot, which is the dragon novella by Marie Brennan. She also appears in one fiction in the story, but she is this very mysterious Hemin woman who has a little too much enlightenment, I suppose. <laughs> Um, but but she's very she's very clearly enlightened in the fiction that we we see her in, and uh, Tagashi Mitsu is going to drag her to the High House of Light, and he eventually lets her go to follow her own path because she must. Well, she well she basically says, "What were the precise orders you were given?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, find you, right? <laughs> yeah, not find and retrieve. Good right. point." Okay, bye. Yep. <laughs> so here she remembers. She's standing there by the pond and she's remembering things that happened in a different past. She remembers Tagashi's face beneath the plum tree while he comes to an understanding. And this is a reference to the story of Tagashi no Kami meditating under a plum tree without eating or drinking until he understands. And then Shinsei comes, like the Shinsei, and sits with him and says, then neither will I. And that's when Togashi comes to understand that he can't just be meditating or he's taking other people with him as, as responsibility too. And he, he decides he's going to eat there. She also remembers Shinjo's laughter. Uh, there's no story that we have of um, Shinsei and Shinjo, but that doesn't mean that there there couldn't be moments that they shared. There almost certainly were. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Shinjo came, has come across as quite the happy person, so <laughs> laughing makes sense. 
Senzai remembers sitting in the snow with Doji. So this refers to a story where an old beggar is seen outside the city and Doji is in the palace at the time with Hante and looks out the window and sees this this beggar freezing in the snow outside. So she sends a, a servant out to invite this beggar into the palace to stay warm, survive the cold night, and the beggar refuses. So she sends out more servants with uh, food and blankets for him. And he accepts those, but he still refuses to come inside. And finally, she's like, these guys going to freeze out there. And she goes out herself to invite her in out of, out of compassion for him. But he refuses to go. And she asks him why he won't come in because he will freeze out there. And he shows to her the snowflakes and how each one is unique and special. And explains that he he does not want to miss any of them. And he asks her if she noticed the moments of her day and the same way, sort of. And she then understands that the moments of her life, of the lives around her, are like the snowflakes. They are unique and they are to be valued and um, celebrated and not missed. And so she sits down in the snow with this beggar to to watch. I mean, she could have said, look, there are people indoors too, mate. <laughs> that, that, probably, that wouldn't make the proverb not work, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's where she kind of comes to understand this, you know, live every moment as if it was your last, make every moment count, which is very much the, the crane way, the philosophy of the doji. So. Yeah. There's also mention of conversing with Hante – while Sheba records their words with joy and inspiration. That refers to the creation of what becomes the Tao of Shinsei. When, this is way back when, when oh no, the horrible armies of Fuleng are just invading and it's all terrible. What do you mean a little old man's come to see me? And uh, eventually, Hante does talk to Shinsei. And they have a long, rambling philosophical conversation, apparently which Sheba notes down, and that's, that then becomes the, the Tao. So the, that's literally the moment of Shinseiism, if you like, mm-hmm. being seen. And we also have Akodo spitting in Shinsei's face, which again refers to an incident right at the beginning where Akodo – it's interesting that this, this is literally – this is rather more literal than I think people might have expected because Akodo rather famously – says, this is not my way mm-hmm. to Shinseism. He rejects the towel. And um, I find it interesting that uh, it apparently was quite up close and personal. Yeah, at the time. Like- and, and, and I also like that this is all um, – I, I think that the implication is that Senzai's memories, she's like, she loves these memories. Yes. You know? And it makes sense. She's like, oh, yeah, I, I love that. I love that moment when Togashi learned and, and – yeah. And, and realize what's going on. I loved laughing with Shinjo, and I loved the bit thing, you know, teaching Doji to appreciate everybody and all that. And also, I love a Kodo spitting in my face and telling me to go, you know, shove my book up where somewhere <laughs> anatomically implausible. And no, that's part of it. And I really, mm-hmm. really like that, that. That this is part of the the great kind of whole the whole wholeness of the whole of everything. That's cool. Yep. Basically, this is very, very clearly stating Sensei, this woman Sensei is Shinsei. Reborn and remembering our lives or somehow yeah. something else. And it's kind of capped off with a crow coming and landing on her shoulder. And a crow has always been the symbol of Shinsei, of the brotherhood of Shinsei. So Shinsei loves the kami. She loves the people of the empire and has returned in full awareness of who she is in preparation for the difficult days that is to come. So I love the ending of that in general. I just think that that's great. <laughs> if you remember old law, old law, I don't believe it was a reincarnation. It was the literal descendant of 
Mm-hmm. And that was a, a gentleman by the name of the Hooded Ronin. Well, the name of. Known as the Hooded Ronin. Indeed. And uh, I can't remember his actual name. But this time around, we are getting a reincarnation called Senzai. Yep. And I, I actually, I would just, I, I would love to have a scene with, I now remember everything. I can see the, the Empire and remember what it was like. What have you been doing with yourselves? this is not what i remember fashions have changed where where are all your hats you should all be wearing hats oh she 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 knows all of that she's been wandering everywhere (laughs) that's true (laughs) so what do you think of gaijutsu being togashi mr dragon player i have to say i really like it as a revelation it gives us both the kami togashi is still around which Mm -hmm. was an interesting twist from old law, but he hasn't been running the dragon clan and he's not been body hopping and destroying people's souls in order to pretend to be alive or you know, and pretend to be the champion each time around. So it kind of gives us our cake and, and lets us eat it as well, which I think is neat. So he's, he has been there, but the dragon clan has been given the possibility of self-determination. Mm-hmm. So the visions are still there, and he has taken this kind of back seat. Um, it does slightly explain you – you, there was some question about because apparently this is Nemoranai, which is the magic item that continually refreshes with fresh tattoo ink, which happens to be Togashi's blood. And people are saying, well, is it really a magic item doing that, or is it just him every so often replenishing it? Um, my opinion is that if he could make a magic item to do that for him – He'd do that for the for the convenience. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's I, I like it. It's a neat twist. I think it's neat. I like it. Cool. We have all these prophecies of the Day of Thunder. Um, I kind of have said I think that they're going to do the Day of Thunder all along. I think this is very, you know, it's all sure now. I think it's been clear for a while, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but with what we talked about with Tadaka being dead, Potentially, there are some some different thunders. I'm very sure that Hataru is still a thunder. Okay, I'm just going to say that. But uh, some of the others. Sonia and Kiwanan. <laughs> no. Or sorry, it's a bit mean to say that, but yeah. It is mean. The poor lad. Well, that, that brings my big problem with the story, okay? I'd, so I, I loved a lot about this story. It was a very happy ending. Like I said, it was a little bit, um, you know, jump, jump song. Uh, but that's okay. You know, it's it's okay to have a happy ending. The, the yeah. big problem that I had is it's almost because it was so easy to fix. And right. there's an emotional beat here for Doji Kwanin's death. I mean, Doji Kwanin was in a whole lot of stories. You know, he was a very major character, Okay. Through the whole arc. Uh, he impacted yeah. a number of other major characters who definitely survived and set things on their course. And, and we were in his head a lot of times, as his point of view. He's a big character. And he died as a minor character. He had three lines in the story he died in. I went back and counted. <laughs> and that could have been made okay if there was a, a stronger beat after his death a stronger emotional beat, um, more, you know, a scene of people mourning or someone being sad about it even, or a bigger consequence. Now, this is two months later, and I assume, I hope, that Shizue has already told Asami that the man she loves is dead. Because having it like way at the bottom of a gossipy newsy letter about what's going on in Odasanuchi would just be horrible, you know. That's not how you tell somebody that the person that they love is is dead. But I wish I wish they even just had Shizue pause and take a moment and remember her brother. Yeah, I mean that that is. That is a little odd that she's she's writing all this thing. I mean, and and yeah, she is pretty much when she's she's writing about Kuanon. It is yeah that that kind of like 
Yeah, I know he made a great deal to you and we all mourn his loss. Is a bit of an odd... It's very formal. It's very formal and very impersonal. Yeah. And it's like you were not his sister, you know? Yeah. Shizui is his sister. And then, you know, talking about Hitaru and uh, Kachiko setting up house in Kudendoji. And it's just like... <sighs> yeah, with a little cutie thing as... Hotaru is going to have to practice being a parent. No mention of Kazunobu and the fact that Hotaru is married and supposed to be like making children of her own with her husband. I mean, <laughs> I have to admit, I honestly thought that might be uh, perhaps this means our, our champion will get her first taste of parenthood. Was a hint in that direction. Oh, I thought they were talking about Dairu. That was for sure about Dairu. They're explicitly talking about Dairu, mm-hmm. but it's just that this means our, first, our champion get a first taste of parenthood. And, like, why would that be important for her to get her first taste of parenthood? You know, maybe she's got her own baby on the way, but... I, I don't know. There, we don't know have any mention of uh, Kusunobu, so we don't know where he is or what he's doing or if he is in this uh, little same... Love nest with Kachiko and and Hataru, and that was that was a little weird, but that didn't bother me. I could kind of ignore that, though. I'm curious. It, it, it's not that; it's that she's got time enough to put that in her letter, mm-hmm. but not time enough to say he was my brother. To yeah, he was my brother, and I'm really sad that he died. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm seeing there. That that it is it is a bit of an odd choice. Yeah. So I was just. It's like, oh gosh, you whiffed the catch there on Doji Kwanan's death is basically it. There was no emotional beat after that. There's nothing to turn that part of the letter into bittersweet, which is where it felt like it should have ended. It should it shouldn't been all happy. And 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 most of the other parts did have some bittersweet. Like the first part of the story. Uh, with the celebrations going on at Cherry Blossom Snow Lake ends with a bittersweet note that Sukune is remembering Tazaka and is going to go out to look for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's not all all happy, but the way that um, the way that Shizue writes this part of the letter is like it's all happily yeah. ever after and one formal and formal sounding. You have my condolences. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. We all feel bad about this formal declaration. It doesn't come across as very personal. And all it needed to be done is potentially move to the front part of the letter and just, or just have her lift her pen from the paper for a moment and remember her brother. Mm. Boom. And that would have done it. You know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. So I, I just like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or or indeed, literally move it to the second, second last paragraph. Because the, the last one is like, yeah, we're now going to look to the future. But after all the kind of stuff about, you know, here's some good news, like with Empress Hochiyahime, with her health breakthrough. I said, well, yeah, before I finish letter, let me let me you know, give my condolences for the death of Kawanan. You know, here's my brother. I loved him. I know you loved him too. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think there's a, a number of ways they could have really kind of given the imp- – given a bit more of a, an emotional send-off. And it is just weird now that I'm looking at it and thinking, yeah, that this is his sister writing this. Mm-hmm. To his, to the person who loved him, you know, you can be to, yeah, yeah. emotional here. Um, and, and of course, you know, for that coming on top of, if, if they had made a big deal of Kawanin's death or, or something, you know, like, like they did for Tadaka, and, and it was like an arc. It wasn't this kind of like surprise dropped in the middle of the story that he was he died in. Basically, number four. Um, that would be that would be different. But now it's it's like okay, I guess I guess it was not a big deal. Um, but oh well, stuff happens. Nobody's perfect. So <sighs> mm. anyway, that's it for us this week. I I overall. I think the story was a good send off. Kwan and stuff aside, I, you know, it was well written, and I was very curious to read about all the things happening with everyone. Um, so. Yeah, it's, I think it's a reasonable send off for the LCG, mm-hmm. LCG, which is now being wrapped up. Yeah, so the question is, what happens next? But 
I guess we'll see. All of the writers, all of the contract writers who commonly come and chat on Discord or otherwise have said they have no other stories in the works at all. Mm. So it's not like they're sitting on anything. They wouldn't say anything if they hadn't had it and it had yeah. an NDA. So if they if they had written stuff or were planning to write stuff, they would just not say anything if it was an NDA. But then they've all come and say, yes, we have nothing else. This was my last story. I would love to write again for you in the future. You know, so so it's not like there's a secret project going on with a whole bunch of story writing. So it could be quiet for a long time as they uh, figure out what they're going to do next. Of course, they all set up Staff Thunder. So how do you feel about the end of the story? You got to tell us, folks. (laughs) Yes, we do need to know. Uh, What should happen next? Is there going to be a Day of Thunder? Uh, If we're going to have new Thunders, who should they be? Let us know. Tell us. Right, but that is us pretty much for this week. So we're going to go on to our normal call-outs to our sister podcast and Patreons. So we have the rest of the Core Games Network, which is the L5R LCG podcast, our Live from Tokyo podcast, Tokyo the Five Rings, and our two actual play role-playing podcasts, Crimson Gold Agonies, Fortunes and Strife. And obviously we need to mention our friends at D20 Radio. Our content is funded by the community... Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website, where you can store and see longer-term information, summaries of our podcasts, great role-playing game tools, and more for our patrons. We have special bonus content like Adventure Seeds. We've got early access to our AP podcasts. We have some unclosed letters for Fortune and Strife, at least, that people are able to read and bring themselves up to date on that story with that. And... And other neat stuff. Online, you can find us at our website, which is courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash courtgamespod. And we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that's it for us this week. Thank you for hanging with us. This is Kakita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I have been Korva. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy.